Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. We are thrilled to be sponsored by Vincere, a global ATS system that truly transforms the experience of every single user in the recruitment industry. We are also really proud to be partners to Needy, the bespoke gift matching service using psychology and AI to, to remove boring gifts and experiences. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. And we are also very proud to partner Inclusion Crowd, the diversity and inclusion specialist for the recruitment industry, something that you all need to know about. But again, more information later on in the show. Thank you for choosing to listen. Remember to click the subscribe or follow button so you'll be alerted to any new episodes that we release on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. But enough of this, let's jump into this week's guest. Um, I think this episode might need a bit of a warning because the energy level gets so high that you might need to kind of slow it down into slow motion. And the reason for that is that my next guest, Chase Coa, who is the founder and CEO of Aim for Hire based over in Austin, Texas, is so contagious with his energy and his passion for the recruitment that he does. So he focuses in on a very niche market within Austin, Texas for high growth, high tech companies. So it's very niche. They're all P or VC backed. And we talk about a lot of things, a real plethora of topics. So how to um, make yourself attractive to the startup market. How can a startup really elevate itself? So if you're listening to this and you're a startup recruitment business, this episode is definitely for you. If you're a recruiter starting out your recruitment career, loads of takeaways from Chase during this episode, that's for sure as well what lessons he can give to leaders listening from his client base. So his client base are all high growth, fast tech startup companies. So what can our leaders across the globe learn from those clients? And what are his predictions for the future? And we do talk around a multitude of things, including metaverse, including sporting backgrounds, including behaviors. But I promise you, this will be an episode where you'll be so hyped that you're going to definitely want to listen. So Let us know what you think. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And I am really excited about today's guest, not least because we're going global, which is part of the main sort of privilege and honor for me as the host of this phenomenal podcast, which over the last few years has grown an audience, particularly in this part of the world, actually. I'm joined today by Chase Coa, who is the founder and CEO of Aim for Hire, a business based over in Austin, Texas. And he's a born and proud Austinite, and I can't wait to hear all about it. Chase, welcome to you today how are you i'm great how are you i am really really well thank you very much indeed we've just been talking off camera about austin but i want you to tell us a little bit about who you are what you do and why we're talking today absolutely uh yes i'm based in austin texas uh was kind of a unicorn a lot of people have moved here from california new york a lot of the big even even Europe and Australia. I mean, it's become a, a, a tech attraction in a lot of ways because we have a huge tech startup community here. So um, attracts a lot of talent. We also have all the thing, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Google companies, Tesla and Elon Musk are here as well. So uh, a lot of appeal, uh, warm weather and Texas doesn't have the taxes that California has. So that's kind of one of the financial motives people tend to use. Um, but myself, um, I played college or high school and college basketball. So I was an athlete and 
out of college, I, I was trying to kind of find identity. I knew I wanted to be in the tech world. So I eventually really just fell into the recruitment space because I felt like having been an athlete, having been, you know, seeing people be recruited by schools and teams, I was like, okay, I can, I can handle this. I can figure this out. And, and that way I can really, I could talk to all these smart tech people without having to know how to code and do all that kind of stuff. So that, that was kind of my, uh, my justification there. And um, yeah, four years later, I ended up fortunate enough to kind of start my own firm. And we've got a team of about 15 tech recruiters in Austin working mostly with companies here, uh, VC backed or like VC or private equity backed tech startups that are like super, super gritty, super hyper growth, super picky when it comes to hiring, um, which is great. But also as a recruiter, as I'm sure listeners know, it can be challenging, um, but that's how it is in a small company. You have to make the right hire every time when you're that small and each hire make or break your company. So, um, so yeah, really that, that's kind of full circle. I want to come and do your job. Your job sounds amazing. What a great intro and high energy. And we will come back to most of what you've just talked about in terms of what your business does in the market without a shadow of a doubt, because I think that's going to really appeal to so many of our listeners across the world here. But in terms, just just want to ask you about your sporting career then. That's really, I've interviewed probably, I think, by the time this goes out, probably about 150 leaders across the world. And I would say a good half of them have had some kind of sporting background. Why do you think that is? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, we have, we've hired a lot of former college and even professional athletes on our team. Um, so like, I, I see the value that, you know, if you played a sport competitively, you kind of have some of the values that translate into a workforce, but just if you didn't play sports, it doesn't mean you don't. Um, I think, I think it's, but I think being a part of a team and understanding, like, it's not always just about you. It's about you know, how do you make the team better? How do you work with others? And how do you work hard to see results? I mean, all the cliches, but uh, I think yeah. something about athletes, you know, they they really buy into that. Um, and so if you have an athletic background, it kind of gives, you know, somebody that's interviewing you like a roadmap of like, well, they've proven that they can work hard and be successful and be a part of a team and so on and so forth. Not being uninclusive at all, because I'm actually not an athlete and never was an athlete. But I, I mean, it will surprise most people to know from my svelte figure. Um, but actually, I, I, um, I think that what you're saying is it gives you an advantage. I think that when I've asked people that question before, I think that they respond with that, generally speaking, people who are successful in a sporting sense have got, they understand that consistency is better than motivation and that we all want consistent behaviors in recruitment. And then natu- and you're naturally competitive against yourself, usually, as opposed to other people. So I think it's good behaviors. It's not bad behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I think, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think really it's a passion. I mean, if you have a passion for things outside of sports, then that, that's outstanding as well. And you can, uh, you can learn and apply all those skills, I think. Um, but sometimes athletes get tossed in a bucket of like, oh, you're a jock, good at sports, but not really, you know, everything else. So, I mean, there's, I think there's positives and negatives to all the stereotypes. But let's definitely steer the conversation back to why you're coming on the show today. So you recruit in a very niche area, which is specifically high growth tech startup companies based in Austin who are VCMP backed. What do you think the benefit of being so niche is to people listening? The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. 
I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialize in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly, regard, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode. And remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. You, you've got to know, I think you've got to understand how and like what those smaller companies are going through and what they might be looking for and needing in certain cases. So I think being niche, I mean, when you're working for a bigger company, it's often more about volume. It's more about like, we need to get these 10, 15 slots filled and we know that statistically every 20 resumes we get you generates two hires. So let's get you 40 resumes to get, you know, for ours. It, it's kind of, I, I think it's less like that. And it's more boutique for smaller companies where they need the culture fit. They need the tech stack. They need the intangibles and then willingness to maybe take less money and stock options or, or be a part of, you know, take that risk and be a part of a small company that might not make it or might become the next big success. Uh, I think being being niche it obviously enables you to really specialize and be able to kind of speak to those things when you're recruiting candidates. Um, I think when you're recruiting for small companies, you can't just send them a job description and the website. You kind of have to educate them on who the company even is because more often than not, they've never heard of them. Um, so that's kind of the responsibility that we see like recruiters kind of have for smaller companies. And I love it because it's kind of like the little, you know, fighting for the little guy or girl that's trying yeah. to compete with the big ones. That. The David and Goliath scenario. I mean, I asked you that question and it's there's a little bit of an agenda for me because that's what, exactly what I am. I'm a niche, I'm rec to rec and I do actually recruit across every industry, but I only recruit in the Northwest of England. Very specific, very small geography, really. It's probably about a 30 mile radius, but most of my businesses from tech is, is, is startup businesses or companies that have, you know, got what I would call an embryonic feel about them. And what I'm just picking up on what you've said there is that as a recruiter partnering startup firms whether it's tech like yourself you you become that brand ambassador for your client and you just can then spot what that future talent looks like so that's where your value is as a recruiter that's why you should niche down for the candidates you are going to hear about opportunities that no one else is going to know about they're not going to advertise you wouldn't hear about them otherwise 
and it's it's a shared risk but it's high risk high reward isn't it that's the thing with startup absolutely it's uh we could do a pitch for each other couldn't we chase <laughs> we could we could I, I, yeah i think yeah i'm picking up what you're putting down here i, I think I, i'm all in with with kind of your mentality and, and that was what i mean that was my driver is like you could be one of you know 10 20 recruiting firms working for a big company and you know everybody's heard of amazon and google and you know so when you're recruiting for them you know you tell someone it's a, a job at amazon then that's it that's all you really need to share i mean you could obviously share more about the team and department that it's on but the small ones, yeah, I, I think those are the ones that kind of you, you need to be a little bit more than just a job description recruiter that's just mass blasting messaging just to get responses. I think that's what, I think, and I think that you know, as we look at where the world is right now, I think that if you know that if you think you'd be safer in one of these larger companies, first of all, I bet you got a massive shock in October 2022 when everyone started making mass redundancies. You know, Meta making these mass redundancies. So. I think that there's a misconception that big means safe. I don't think that at all. But I also think that it's about the mindset of the individual. So you, presumably you get a very hard to find unicorn candidate. They're, kind of, they're probably coming to you because they know that you're the expert and they want to make a difference and have an impact on their career, which we're not saying you can't do that in an Amazon or a Twitter, maybe not Twitter, or a, or a Meta, but you're probably going to have more of an impact if it's somebody that you've not really heard of off the street. Surely, surely. And, I, and yeah, I think there's a trust, you know, going back to end of last year, I think people are going to value trust. And, you know, for a while, those big tech companies, you know, you really didn't have to worry about job security. Uh, I mean, you obviously had to do your job, but you didn't have to worry about them running out of money or like starting to tighten the ropes. So, uh, so that's a shift. And obviously, startups really follow the trends that are set by those big tech companies, you know, as far as benefits package, the salaries that are offered. I mean, they kind of set the bar for how the rest of the market has to operate. So with that, with that being on their trust, it'll be super, I think it'll be a fascinating year to just see how companies hire, how competitive it is. And, and you know, are the smaller companies able to compete more effectively or not? Uh, it'll be interesting. I agree. So, I mean, given that we've been in a unicorn candidate-led market for the last few years, and certainly in skill short markets, I presume within tech, it's exactly the same across most STEM. How are you finding candidates? Where are you finding them? How are you delivering for your clients? We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, 
back to the episode. I think the big one is, and this is so hard as a recruiter, I get it, but like connecting with the people that are, were happy in their job or they got back to you and said, you know, I'm not looking, um, still finding a way to still talk to them and stay in touch with them is just such a valuable way of building an actual network. If you're always just hitting the open and new ops candidates, uh, you know, and then it's just a surface level relationship. Here's your resume, toss it over, schedule an interview, get out of the way. It, it's yeah, it's so hard to really build a core competency and build kind of a, a baseline of candidates that you can trust and go to and ask questions. And whenever they're actually on the market, you know, hopefully you're going to be one of the first people that hears about that. Um, so it's it's long term, but it's tough, and I get it. Like you know, trying to stay in touch. But LinkedIn's obviously, I think, a powerful tool. It has its shortcomings, but um, I do think kind of thinking the picture, especially for smaller companies, you're not trying to place a thousand people a year. You're trying to make, you know, 50 placements a year, maybe as, or maybe 20 to 50. Uh, so having that big picture mindset of like, if I connect with this person, they're going to introduce me to their friends and I can start kind of building a spider web of connections I there. I love that analogy. And I think it's really important to hear that from somebody like yourself that, will be demographically you know you'll be in, in tune with a lot of our audience and I mean I've, I've said it for a long time I've been doing recruitment for 25 years but for me the greatest success and the greatest sort of longevity in a niche market is not having a particular agenda when you connect to people certainly those candidates that you think they'd be amazing if they came in the market don't make that your agenda you just want to connect you want to learn from them they you might not actually ever place that person but I can guarantee they will recommend you to their mates. I promise you that. So it's it's really important to hear that from someone like you because recruitment, I think, has got this reputation that we're just we kind of we're, we're connecting to you, and then you get this message back going, "I don't want a new job," and you go, "No, no, no, that's not why I'm connecting to you. I just want to build a network." So if we all do that, if we all say, "Look, we just want to connect, we just want to learn from you," it becomes less disingenuous and becomes more meaningful as a relationship. And of course, we all know that's how trust is built. Absolutely. But like you said, I mean, so many, you know, some of the bad egg recruiters might badger people so much that whenever you reach out as a recruiter, they're like, no, 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 leave me alone. Like I've got a hundred other messages like yours. Um, so I think that's where you have to try to find a way sometimes to get them on the, you know, to provide value to them, to get their interest, you know, to talk or, or be, you know, connect on LinkedIn whether it's just like sharing information about salaries, compensation, Absolutely. if there's anything, anything relevant you can share. I mean, it's, it's worth a shot. I mean, some candidates are going to come back and be like, yeah, I know what I'm worth. Um, and in that case, like, okay, fair enough. But you like, um, they were doing a salary survey or it could be, Hey, I've just been a guest on a podcast in England. Hey, do you want to have a listen to me? But on a serious note, actually, you're not, you're not just, you're not emailing them or messaging them with what every other recruiter is trying to get. You know, I've got a job. Are you looking for a job? And I think that's a really, I'm so glad I asked you that question. That's really important. So, you know, we have got a large swarm of our listeners who are quite new in their recruitment career, really. So they they do drop in and I'm so grateful to every single one of you that takes time to message me because that is, this is why we have the podcast. So you can learn, hopefully, you know, take something away from this episode. So what, if you were sat talking to maybe you when you started out or you had a, an audience of just those newbie recruiters, what, what advice would you give to them in terms of making themselves valuable and attracting the right business for them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, as an early, early recruiter, account man, whatever kind of job you're in within an agency or, or talent acquisition, I think the biggest thing is like you have to, you can't lose sight of why you're doing it or why you might enjoy it. 
And I think you do have to have, like, I think you have to be competitive. You have to be willing to go through ups and downs, roller coasters of recruiting that we all know exist. Um, but I do think like at, at the core, there has to be a passion for like working with, with people and companies and like you getting joy in either helping a company find the right people or helping the right person find a great job. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're going to go through ups and downs and sideways doing <laughs> recruiting and if you don't have that North star of like, you know, this is why I'm doing this. Um, maybe it's just career wise. I mean, that was kind of how I fell in was I knew the recruiting industry. If you produce and you work hard, you can, you tend to be able to move up pretty quickly. Um, so that was the attraction to me. And I obviously, I love people and I love talking to smart people that are significantly smarter than me. So, um, so I just found a passion for like, Hey, I'm going to learn about data science this week and, or this month. And, I'm going to try to understand how tech stacks and backend developers are creating microservice architecture, like all of that stuff. Just like I had to become, uh, learn how to like really appreciate and enjoy it and learn, you know, enjoying learning about things I knew nothing about. Yeah. Um, so, but you can't, you know, you'll have five interviews that are final stage and all five will get passed on. And then the next week you'll have two people at final stage and both of them will get offers. And then they both don't take them because, you know, it, the crazy stuff happens it's human beings it's the road so of recruitment so I just want to go back to one thing you said there for two things one I love that you said that you you find joy in what you do to me if you are doing this job and you don't find joy in the process never don't think about the outcome think about the process you you need to go and do something else because life is far too short to do something that doesn't make you feel joy and the second thing is be more chaste be more curious because what you've described there is curiosity you know the voracious appetite you clearly have to understand. You're not going to go and be a data scientist. You're not going to go and be a tech stack developer, but you want to understand the the jargon of it so you can add more value. I love what you just said there. Well, how cool is it that, I mean, like I'm a form, you know, like I said, I'm just a jock that got a business degree in college and like, uh, you know, and I'm talking to people that have, you know, machine learning, you know, patents and and things that they've been building for 20, 30, 40 years. Like, um, I just think it's fascinating, you know, and I've grown to like it. I mean, as a basketball player, like tech wasn't necessarily the front forefront on my mind of like, oh, I'm going to become a software expert. But um, I, I think obviously tech disrupts and is a part of almost everything. And I think that's obviously going to continue. So uh, whatever your passion is, maybe find how tech is involved in that. Well, let's let's face it. In about five years, we'd be recording this in the metaverse, wouldn't we? So, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Austin, scary. Scary thought. You can come to Ramblossom <laughs> in the metaverse, although I'm sure you'd probably want to go to other places other than that. Now, I really, that's really, I really appreciate that, and I think actually, again, if you're, we get a lot of people who've taken jobs in recruitment, and maybe they're not loving or feeling their sector. You don't necessarily need to be in a sector where you think obviously I'm going to be passionate. It's recruiting for people that are passionate about what they do. And I think that's when you tend to then attract clients and candidates that have that vibe too. So, I mean, you know, maybe you didn't think you'd be recruiting in tech, but clearly the people you're partnering are passionate about what they're doing. Right. Right. And, and yeah, you don't have to fake a passion. I mean, I think if you don't enjoy talking to people, then recruiting, you know, might not be best, but maybe there's other parts in the recruiting industry or, you know, agency sure. that you can contribute. Sure. Um, okay. You know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed more the, I enjoyed the companies at first. So I did a lot of the biz dev and account management and then, you know, wanted to be talking more with people and got more on the recruiting side. So I think you can kind of find your spot, but obviously yeah. it takes hard work. 
Yeah, finding your sweet spot takes hard work. It definitely takes effort and sweat. There's no question. So you're in a really privileged position where you're speaking to these amazing CEOs, CTOs, whatever they call themselves, COOs of tech startups. So what what are they doing that leaders in recruitment can plagiarize? What can we do that they're doing well? In 2022, Vincere joined forces with the Access Group. Vincere has always spoken openly about their ambition to becoming the recruitment operating system by partnering with a heavyweight who shares their vision of providing a single operating system for the front, middle and back office of recruitment firms. There are now no limits as to how far Vincere can take the platform and the experience they provide to their customers. Vincere will become the flagship CRM within Access Recruitment's portfolio of products. Same people, same platform, but with way more firepower. Now, Vincere is offering an exclusive deal for listeners of the Recruiters Recruitment podcast. If you want to know more information, send me a DM and we can introduce you. Yeah, I think... uh... Every, every company based on their industry tends to have a different way. It's fascinating that there's so many startups, but they all seem to do things in their own unique, different way. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think there has been one thing I think is in building teams. And especially right now with the way the economy, at least in the States, has been, is that there's been this shift from growth mindset to profitability mindset and, and kind of valuing shorter term wins versus you know, playing the long-term game because of just the way that things are. Um, so I think a lot of them are kind of focused on like my core team and evaluating your team and like knowing that if you've got five Michael Jordans on the same team, like that isn't always the best way to go. You need star players, but you need role players. You need people who are going to be willing to play defense and rebound. And I know you wanted a basketball analogy there, but um, it's, I think, that's probably something, and then I, I think in a lot of ways, diversity finds its way into that and how people are recruiting more with the diversity and inclusion mindset right. uh, of bringing in different different parts that can fit as a team and come together versus just hiring, like, let's hire 10 people that all have 10 years of experience at Google. Like, they're all going to butt heads and never get along. Like, this is not always going to work. That's really encouraging to hear, particularly that aspect, because that's something that certainly over here in the UK, we're echoing that. And that's within recruitment industry. Uh, I think the narrative has really changed around that. But I've, I actually thought you were going to go with it. I wasn't trying to lead you with the answer, but actually you're right. There is no one size fits all. You should follow your own path. I think that would be if probably reading between the lines, maybe what you were going to say at the start of that. So we've just started a new year, 2023, although we are actually secretly recording this. It's still in 2022, but we're cheating. What do you think? will happen i mean your mark it, we tend to follow uk follows america and we're in a recession um we i would i would always say fo- focus on profitability even in the heights of growth just focus on your profit always um yeah. what what would your predictions be if any you know yeah there's a lot i, I think the fund, the fund, especially if you're looking for venture capital funding or some type of outside investor i, I think that game has shifted pretty dramatically where like i think prior a lot of companies if you had an idea and you had a background at google or amazon like someone was going to give you money to pursue a startup um even if you may necessarily not be like entrepreneurial you just kind of thought it was a good idea and i think there was just so much money going around obviously it's harder to raise capital right now and i think 
with big tech letting people go and slimming slimming up themselves. Uh, I think this year is going to be, you know, I think companies are going to push back to the office as hard as they can. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to kind of see a pendulum of who has the leverage. Is it the employee or employer or candidate or the company? Um, and, and for a while in the tech space, it's been the candidate, you know, and they've been able to dictate, you know, I want remote, I want full benefits, I want the salary, I want the stock options. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily going to shift completely, but I do think candidates, um, you know, have to recognize that maybe like there will be less opportunities out there for them than they're accustomed to. And they're going to probably have to adjust to how the market, you know, tends to go. And, and the compensation ranges might drop a little bit. The force back to the office might happen. Yeah. Um, inflation, obviously, is causing, you know, with, with salaries and things like that. So I think uh, those are kind of the factors I look to just for immediate, like, things I would anticipate in the next three or four months. Yeah, I think that's all very wise. I think definitely manage your expectations if you're listening to this and you are potentially looking at a new job, whether you're a recruiter or not. Um, I think that the shift has always been very balanced between candidate and client, even in candidate short markets, even when it's been boom, it still has to be right for the, the client. It still has to be right for the company. And I think, you know, it's a, you're in a very dangerous position if you've put somebody over a barrel and broken their pay structure to come on board. You're the first person they're going to look at when they have to make decisions around, you know, leaning up, which is the first point you make around being lean now. So what you're facing in your sector, I think, you know, could have happened in 2020 across the globe, but furlough for most people protected that happening because that's what happens in every recession. You lean up, you say, right, what's the return on investment on that person? So I think if you're listening to this now, don't don't panic. You don't need to panic, but you just need to make sure you are productive, that you are worth what you're being paid. And if not, then you might need to start thinking about maybe approaching your employees saying, look, you know, maybe we should look at my salary and change the expectations and have a better commission you know, maybe look at a, a sort of back end it rather than the front end of it. Just a suggestion. It's something that people have not been known to do. So if you come to them as the candidate, the employee, it actually it it resonates very well, particularly with startup businesses because it's all about cash flow. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think the right business is there isn't going to be this huge pendulum shift on leverage. I mean, leverage is a part of it, um, but I, I do think you know the right companies are obviously going to value their their people and try to put them in the best position and pay them what they're worth but mm. some you know startups especially you have a limited number of money you know a limited amount of money that you have yeah. that, that you can survive with right so okay. I, I do think that's that can be difficult and then big tech doing a lot of you know the layoffs it's like it'll be interesting to see if, if you've been making 250k base salaries um you know at google now now google's laid you off you know are you willing to take less than 250K? Uh, or are you going to hold out and see, you know, if the company will match that at some point? It's a problem. And then and then you take a job that's, say, to use your example there, you know, 150, but then in six months' time, there's a job advertised back up at 250. What do you do then? And what does the, what does the hiring client at 150 do? Do they offer the candidate knowing that they're going to probably move on? It's actually a real dichotomy of the sector. And just going back to your point about hybrid, I agree with your prediction. I think that more employees will need to see visibility. Um, I think it's a shame because I actually think that if you've created a workplace culture where people come to the office when they when they need to, if they need to, but I think the reality is you're going to need to see a, a much greater effort from people. And I just, I suspect there'll be lots of companies that will get people back in. 
And that might be, that might be a way small companies can compete with the big ones is, you know, is offering that fully remote, fully remote might become a perk again. I mean, for, for the last couple of years, it's kind of been the standard um, that might become a perk or a benefit again. So a startup can use that as into their advantage to get somebody over, you know, but I guess we'll just have to find out. But uh, those are some of the things that I like, I would anticipate early on, but there's big shifts in the tech world. And, um, so I think, you know, like sustainability and, and carbon footprints, I, I think the U S is big on that. The semiconductor space where the government here has done a lot of kind of ways to, to increase manufacturing and computer chips here in the U S. So there's some bigger trends, but I think the immediate is like, how are candidates going to respond to less jobs, companies, yeah. you know, being tighter on compensation and their budgets should be interesting. It should be, yeah. None of us should lose sight of the bigger picture around sustainability, environmental, climate issues, absolutely, you know, mental well-being, you know, look, talking about diversity and inclusion, all those big picture, absolutely, we don't lose sight of that. But in terms of the micro, we all need to look at the profitability and, and the return on investment. This We are going to have to revisit this. You do realise that you have to come back on next year, you know, back end of this year, but beginning of next year. So you've just been a brilliant, brilliant guest. And I imagine that there'll be a spike in Google search on Austin. <laughs> um, so maybe you might even get some new people that if you get an application from a 48-year-old woman from Ramsbottom called Lisa Holmes, don't be surprised. It's been so delightful. Thank you for joining us, Chase, on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast.